music, athletics, arts, and entertainment. The Desert Tiger Podcast with Colton Geschwagner. Everything starts with an idea. Whether it's an invention, your favorite stories or movies, a masterpiece painting, some new design, whether it's for a car or something else, a recipe, or for the purpose of this specific intro, a sound. There have been so many different styles and subgenres that at this point you might have to use your fingers and toes to help you keep track of all of them. Or a Wikipedia page is unbelievable as Robert Ripley's collections himself. For the lead singer and keyboardist of Gods of Mount Olympus, Brian Wallstrom, The idea of a piano-driven, laced sound with punk rock drums began to form well before he met drummer Paul Rucker in 2013. The duo met through Joey Cape of Lagwagon fame, someone Brian has shared years and miles with, and through these experiences and travels, Gods of Mount Olympus acquired Matt Riddle from No Use for a Name and Steve Morris of Unwritten Law to complete their lineup and chase a sound that has been best described as Billy Joel on meth. Armed with years of experience on stage and in the studio, These veterans are fresh off the release of their debut self-titled EP and are ready to strike like lightning. I had the chance to sit down with Brian Wallstrom to discuss how the idea of Gods of Mount Olympus started and through the years of stages, tour buses, highway breakdowns, punk rock, piano lessons, acting on Broadway, singing and reconnecting with his old neighbor, Steve, ended up leading to a five-song EP jam-packed with catchy hooks and heartfelt lyrics. Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the Desert Tiger Podcast, and this is your host, Colton Geschwantner, coming at you from my apartment That is right, we are killing it right here from Kamloops, BC, and thank you guys so much for joining me here on the DTP this week, wherever you're listening from, whatever you're listening on, whoever you are, you know we got mad respect, and a huge thanks for you for tuning in to the Desert Tiger Podcast. Alright, as you guys know, my guest here for episode 26 is Brian Wallstrom, lead singer and keyboardist for Gods of Mount Olympus. And I'm going to play you guys a little bit of that Billy Joel on meth sound right away here. But first off, you know we got to give it up to our sponsors who, of course, help me bring this show to you for free every single Thursday, every single week, and you know we love them so much. Those sponsors are 
First off, collar and elbow. You guys hear me talk about it all the time. Collar and Elbow is a fresh, new, wrestling-inspired streetwear company. And if you go up and hit their web store right now and use the code DTP, you are going to save yourself 10% off your order. And they are doing a flash sale right now with 25% off all items. So you should go ahead and capitalize on that. 25% plus 10%, you guys are winning. We also got to give a big up some mad respect to Audible. You guys know we love Audible because they bring us our Audible audiobook of the week. I travel a lot. I work a lot. So you guys know that I love audiobooks. They help keep me in the know. They help me learning. They help me exploring. They help me just keep on going through books when I'm traveling, when I'm doing something that just requires my time where I can't open a book, where I have to be engaged in something else, but I can still listen. And Audible is great. If you guys go to www.audible.com DTP, they're going to go ahead and hook you up with one free month of the Audible service, plus one free audiobook to use on whatever audiobook you want and they literally have thousands so you have no reason not to try it out there is no losing here folks so now that we told you about our sponsors now that we've gone through our intro you guys know that we gotta play you a little bit of our guest we gotta let you guys know who the gods of Mount Olympus are, so we're going to be starting things off with Cops on St. Andrew's Boulevard.
the Desert Tiger Podcast. All right, hello, Brian from the Gods of Mount Olympus, and you also do some of your own music. Do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, please? Yeah, sure. Hey, I'm Brian Wallstrom, uh, the singer for Gods of Mount Olympus, and uh, also, I guess, uh, Scorpios as well. So... All right, cool. So, how did you end up getting into singing, and how did you end up getting into the music scene? Uh, I guess singing it always kind of been a part. I, I started off doing like you know in high school, I was doing the theater and choir stuff. So I've always kind of been singing, and and also piano had been a primary instrument growing up. But uh, I got into punk rock around 14, 15 years old, and so that it kind of took over my whole world for a while. Um, and when I was about 17, just about to graduate high school, I joined a band called Hornswoggled, and they were based in, in San Diego here. And we were together for about seven years. Um, super fun, but it kind of, you know, fizzled out after a while. Um, and so, yeah, and then I, uh, that's kind of what got me into, like, the band uh thing and and it was it was it was really cool um loved the the music we were doing but it was just tough you know it's, it's a struggle so ended up um when that when that kind of finished uh went back to school and then got a a degree in um in composition and uh vocal performance so yeah i guess that's how i got started singing okay, um, awesome uh, where'd you get your degree from yeah. I went to uh, UCSD in San Diego, and then I did a master's at uh, Manhattan School of Music um, in New York. Nice. All right, so then did did you end up in Scorpios first? Were you doing, like, your own personal stuff, or did you end up, like, with the gods of Mount Olympus first? Like, how did that end up going? So the the gods of Mount Olympus stuff I'd been working on for a long time, um, but it it was always kind of on the back burner. Um, I was playing, I I was actually kind of not playing music at all, really. I was doing a lot of opera and theater when I was living in New York, and that's when I connected with Joey Cape, and so um, we ended up connecting at a wedding, believe it or not, (laughs) and uh, I was kind of a lagwagon nerd back then, and I knew a bunch of songs on piano, and I was already playing at the wedding, and he was playing at the reception, and so we hooked up then, and I played a couple songs, and he was super cool, and invited me out uh, to go on a tour after that, and so on that tour, it was me and him and Joey, or I'm sorry, John Snodgrass and Tony Sly, and we weren't going under the name Scorpios at that time, but we uh, kind of came up with that idea during that tour, um, mm. and it, it it came about because all of us were born within about two weeks of each other, including the tour manager and merch guy, Thomas, and so we said, we had to do something with this, so that's how Scorpios came about, and it, you know, it's really more like a touring project, it's, it's not like a band that practices all the time or anything, so... Yeah. Um, it didn't take a ton of commitment. It was just write a couple songs and record them, and that's the record. Um, yeah, and so then eventually um, I did a one-week record with Joey, and I used some of the material that was um, that I had already written um, for Gods of Mount Olympus, but that hadn't really formed yet. So we used it for the one-week record, and then slowly but surely finally got the full band thing um, down. So. So, 
Okay, so is it through Joey that you ended up meeting everybody else? Because everyone else is also from other like musical projects, right? Yeah, um, I met. Yeah, certainly, actually, uh, except Steve. I knew Steve Morris um, from before because we're both from San Diego. We grew up in the same part of town, went to the same high school, okay. and his uh, former band, Unwritten Law, took our my old band, Hornswoggle, on our first tour. So I've known Steve probably since 1999 or 2000. Oh, no way. Um, I actually listened to um, Unwritten Law a little bit back when I was in high school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're a solid band. I mean, they're uh... – and so Steve, he had um, actually left Unwritten Law, I think, in 2012 or 13, and so he was, you know, kicking around, and I ran into him down the street at a grocery store and said, hey, you want to – you want to play uh, with this project we got going? And he was into it, so. Nice. And then how did Paul Rucker and um, Matt Riddle end up becoming part of the project? So Paul actually was, you know, I'm gonna. my headphones are telling me they're about to run out of battery, so I'm going to switch over to speakerphone, so hold on one second. <laughs> ah, no worries. Um, can you hear me? Yep. Yeah, so uh, Paul, Paul and I actually kind of started the God's Metal Interest thing together. We met on a, a tour with Joey Cape um, when he was doing a, his solo project as a band, and it was called Bad Loud. And so we did a couple tours, and Paul was drumming, and I was playing keys. And during sound check, we'd always mess around, and I showed him a couple of the riffs I had going. It was like this piano-centric thing with, you know, punk rock drum beats and paul was way into it and um we both had a mutual admiration for billy joel and liberty devito so <laughs> we uh we, we ended up just you know kind of working on stuff slowly um but paul's been there since the beginning and helping me with arrangements and, and stuff like that so uh that's how i met paul and uh yeah and he lives in la and so he, he used to come down to san it still does comes down to san diego and hang out and more than just playing music we're pretty tight friends so that's how that, that came about. And then Matt Riddle, um, I kind of, we've known each other just through Tony. Um, and then during the Fat Records uh, 25th anniversary um, party that was in San Francisco, they did a No Use uh, in Friends. And I sang a song, and that's how I originally connected with Matt. But I told him about this <laughs> weird little piano rock project, and he was into it. And so... Uh, I met him again um, at a show in San Diego last year and uh, gave him the EP, and he was uh, into it again. So we ended up practicing like a couple weeks later, and that was that. Nice. Okay, so are you still the primary songwriter, or as members have like joined you, has the songwriting process changed? Has How has it evolved? Yeah, it's it's definitely evolved. Uh, for this EP, I, I kind of, I guess I wrote most of it. Um, Steve helped with the producing stuff, and, you know, Paul kind of inspired with his drum beats, but for the most part, all the lyrics and melodies and piano riffs are uh, stuff that I'd had for quite a while. And um, But now, I mean, it's pretty democratic. We uh, I'll usually start off with, like, a piano riff, and then Paul introduce some drums to it and then from there it kind of goes wherever it goes 
Um, I still write all the lyrics, but if anyone else wants to ever pitch in, they're totally welcome. <laughs> so yeah, we're pretty. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't like to try and hold on to anything too tight. If anyone has an idea, we'll make it work. Okay. So where does the name Gods of Mount Olympus come from? We just have super big egos. I don't know what to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, we. Uh, I was driving on a tour with this guy named Walt Hamburger and Joey Cape and and uh, our other friend Chris Hayslip. And we were driving through Wisconsin, and there's a uh, – it's such a dumb way of name came about, to be honest, but it stuck for one reason or another. And I think it stuck because of what it represents – rather than how it came about but we there's a theme park called mount olympus in in wisconsin and so someone when we were driving by right when we were talking about band names which we've been talking about for days uh trying to come up with something um walt just from the back bed of the van goes gods of mount olympus and then we just kind of it kind of stuck and so we used it as kind of a uh you know a pbd name but um you know, overall, the idea is that, you know, you can be anything you want to be, you know, and we, mm-hmm. we came up with the artwork ideas and, and the concept, and it related to a lot of the stuff lyrically and, and conceptually, so, um, you know, a name's a name, I guess, we just had to pick something, and that was it. <laughs> so, if you had to be vain enough to pick a god that would represent the members of the gods of mount olympus who would those gods be <laughs> it's so funny um, matt when he came to the first practice that was one of the things we talked about like we spent half the time just joking around and one of the jokes was that like it's not so much god names but um like uh like paul was the hammer because he's the drummer you know and <laughs> And Steve was the lightning from all the ripping guitar riffs, and then <laughs> Matt was the thunder. You know, like mm-hmm. so we kind of we kind of went with that for a while. But uh, I don't know. To, to be honest, I'm not at all familiar with Greek mythology or, or whatever <laughs> that would be. So I have no idea. Fair enough. <laughs> maybe we'll we'll invoke something. Yeah, maybe we'll invoke <laughs> something in the next record. Zeus. Okay, so how did you end up, like, deciding to come up with the idea of, like, the piano-centric punk rock-fueled music? Uh, it actually just started from a song idea I had. Because I, I, back my first band, Hornswoggled, I was just a you know typical lead singer, hold the mic and sing kind of thing, and I introduced piano to some of the songs, but the guys they were kind of wishy-washy about it because you're like a speed punk band and i'm like hey let's do some softer piano stuff and an intro and a song and um it didn't get a huge reception and but i'd always kind of wanted to explore that idea and piano has been a primary instrument of mine and i just i love playing piano but i also love fast music so i was trying to come up with a song idea not necessarily that was fast or anything but unconventional you know like a uh because there's a lot of piano-centric bands that I like, but they're just not enough for me. You know, I'm mm-hmm. I'm like a Slayer fan. Yeah. You know, and so I wanted to try and do something that was really out there. And it wasn't. I don't think I came up with the idea before the songs, but the songs kind of drove what it became. And so Paul, luckily, 
I mean, I wouldn't be able to have done any of it or written any of it without his influence because he totally got the idea, like, from the get-go. Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't afraid to, like, throw down a really fast beat right away. And so that kind of, it just clicked, you know. It's like, oh, this is weird and new and who knows, so let's just keep going. And so we just wrote as much as we could, just the two of us, just drums and piano, and that really was the anchor for it all. Hmm. Oh, that's awesome. The Desert Tiger Podcast. All right, everybody. You guys know it's about that time where we have to pay a few bills and play a little bit of tunes before we can get back into that interview with lead singer of God's Amount Olympus, Brian Wallstrom. So first off and foremost, you guys know I got to tell you a little bit more about that collar and elbow. You already heard me tell you about how collar and elbow is a wrestling-inspired streetwear company. You guys have already heard me tell you about how collar and elbow was started by ex-WWE superstar XTNA wrestler Al Snow. You guys have already heard me tell you about how they're having a flash sale right now with some items is up to 25% off. But did you guys hear about how Collar and Elbow just dropped that fresh new spring 2018 line? That is right. Some sick new threads, some ballin' ass shirts coming out of Collar and Elbow right now. Let me tell you, that grizzled shirt Ooh, the imitation with those two tigers on it. Mm -mm. Loving it. They are killing it right now. They got this risk shirt, high risk maneuver, 25% off. And if you go ahead and use that DTP code, that's right. When you check out of the collar and elbow web store, you just type in DTP when you're checking out and you're going to get an extra 10% off of that 5%, 10%, 25% off whatever that item already is. So go ahead and capitalize on that collar and elbow flash sale. Go ahead and get on that new spring 2018 lineup and get yourself some fresh new clothes for the spring season. Because you guys know you need to look as good as you can. Alright, so you guys know that we need to play a little bit more music from Gomo for ya, from the gods of Mount Olympus. So our next track is called Blue Screen Light.
It is time for our Audible Audiobook of the Week. You guys know we do it for you here every single Thursday in the middle of the show. So here on our episode 26, our Audible Audiobook of the Week is actually Casino Royale. That's right, the first James Bond novel that kicked it all off by Sir Ian Fleming. This is the novel that introduces James Bond, charming, sophisticated, handsome, chillingly ruthless, and licensed to kill. This is the first of Ian Fleming's tales of Secret Agent 007, and it finds Bond on a mission to neutralize a lethal, high-rolling Russian operative called simply Le Chief. By ruining him at the Baccarat table and forcing his Soviet spymasters to retire him. It seems that Lady Luck is taken with 007. Le Chief, his hit a losing streak. But some people just refuse to play by the rules. And Bond's attraction to a beautiful female agent leads him to disaster and an unexpected savior. So, if you're like me, you definitely enjoy the latest run of Daniel Craig James Bond films. And if you're also like me, maybe you want to read a little bit of the literature that those films are based on. 
And I tell you, this novel is fantastic. It grips you, it chills you as you ride through it. I mean, the interrogation scene, I mean, it is killer in the movie, but it will also give you chills, whether it's on audiobook or if you read that. So if you go ahead to www.audible.com DTP, you're going to go ahead and get yourself one free month of the Audible service. You're going to go ahead and get yourself one free audiobook, which you can spend on any novel that Audible has available to you. And they have literally thousands of different audiobooks available to you. So you can use it on Casino Royale. You can use it on one of the previous Audible audiobooks of the weeks we have had. Hell, you can use it on whatever you want. That is your decision. That's up to you. All you have to do is go to www.audible.com DTP. Once again, that is www.audible.com DTP. So without further ado, let's get back into our interview with Brian Wallstrom, lead singer of Scorpios in Gods of Mount Olympus. The Desert Tiger Podcast. How does the um, description Billy Joel on meth? <laughs> does, does that truly fit your music? I'm, I, I mean, I listened to it and I can definitely say I can agree with it. <laughs> Yeah, the the way that came about, honestly, was uh, because I would explain. So I play at piano bars all the time. Um, it's kind of like a side hustle. And I, I got kind of tired of trying to explain the sound of the band to non-punk fans, you know, because no one's going to understand the references when I'm talking about, like, you know, Lagwagon or Propaganda or any of the, of the bands that I listen to or like. And so... Well, for the most part, you know, yeah. and so when, you know, when someone would say, you know, they just kind of stare at me when I'd list all the influences that, you know, create the band. And, and, um, eventually I'd just say, you know, it, it, it's like, it's like Billy Joel on speed and they go, Oh, that sounds rad. You know? So that's kind of where it came up. It just, I got tired of trying to explain it and that encompassed it for the most part. But, uh, you know, truly it's just a stupid way of saying it. You know, We're all Billy Joel fans. I guess that's where it comes from. Yeah, well, that's pretty awesome. I mean, I am a big Billy Joel fan, so I laughed pretty hard when I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll get a reaction either way, even if it's not really accurate. You know, so I guess that's the point. Mm -hmm. So from all your experiences from being on the road, touring and all that, is there any, like, must-have item or, like, any, like, specific warm-up that you need to do before a show or anything like that? Uh, not really. I mean, I used to do some, I kind of still do some vocal warm ups, but not anything that intense. Um, something that I've had to do recently that I've started doing is, uh, I've had to like stretch out my back. It's weird because playing piano and singing, it's, it's kind of taxing after a while. Um, yeah. so I mean, it sounds lame, but it's like, you're, it's just that it's kind of a, the way we play is kind of aggressive. And so, after a while, I started to get like um, like some neck issues, and after rehearsing for a long time, so I've done a little bit of stretching before shows, but nothing uh, significant. Hmm. 
I must have beer, though, and tequila. That is required before a show. Not a ton, but just a little bit, you know? Hmm. That's fair. I can understand that. (laughs) (laughs) Take a little bit of the edge off before you take the stage. Yeah, I I think the band would agree. Concur with that. That's a good idea for sure. Do you have any um, favorite stories from the road, whether they be good experiences or bad? Uh, well, not necessarily with this band, um, just because we haven't really done a ton of touring together. Um, yeah. But we plan to soon. But I got oh, God, there's so many stories with, like, the, the Joey Cape tours, for sure. Um, God, I'm, all the ones that I'm thinking of right now in my head are totally inappropriate for public consumption but uh, um it's uh, up to you man we do whatever <laughs> you want <laughs> well i say that but then i'm thinking about my wife in the next room and she doesn't want to hear about this the disgusting tour lifestyle that we went through okay um, fair enough but <laughs> <laughs> no she's, she's laughing right now um <laughs> well i oh god there's so many good ones i don't know i mean the truth is just some of the funniest stuff is, or I guess the most memorable things about a tour, just the, the conversations you have in, in the van. You know, there's such long drives, and sometimes when you are hungover, you're you're um, or, or just tired. You know, from lack of sleep, you your defenses come down, and you're pretty honest. And so everyone, <laughs> you get to know each other really, really well. And, and <laughs> some of the the coolest experiences I've had have just been, you know, rooming with a guy like Tony Sly, who I admired for so long. And mm-hmm. um, he's one of the funniest guys I ever met. And I got to share rooms with him because we both snored. And so we got stuck in the same room on a bunch of tours. And, uh, you know, that you learn a lot about someone when you're, when you're exhausted and, and, and then at the same time, you're having a lot of fun. So I'd say, you know, just, you know, hanging out with those guys and, as I looked up to forever, uh, was probably the, the, the best part about it. Nice. It's a good answer. So talking about some of the guys you looked up to when you were growing up, who were some of your high school influences or some of those people or some of the music that got you through those hard times or those moments? Mm. Yeah. Uh, I was I don't know. I mean, when it comes to the punk stuff, I mean, it's just kind of a meat and potatoes guy. I loved all the Fat Records bands and Epitaph bands, and I definitely grew up in that heyday of Southern California, 90s punk rock. And, you know, I'd say Joey was probably my favorite songwriter lyricist, and so it still blows my mind that I get to work with him all the time now. Um, and, of course, No Use, and huge Propagandi fan. And, uh, and, that, and that that's in the ways of punk, but I also... Um, you know, I love like a lot of classical music. So I, uh, you know, when I went and did opera and things like that, I would, you know, I'm just a huge Puccini and Mozart fan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's cor- it's corny, but it's it's such good music and easy to fall asleep to. So that's that's stuff that got me through some anxious times in high school as well. Okay, cool. So let's talk a little bit about some of uh, that drama stuff. Let's get a little bit off the music track for a moment. Um, how long were you on stage? How long were you working in theater? Like, what are your experiences in the theater world? Uh, so, so when I was, well, high school, I just kind of did the, the, you know, whatever main stage productions we did and had some pretty solid roles. And then I had some stuff where I wasn't, you know, I was understudying or in the chorus and all that. 
But then when I went to, uh, I did some community theater as well, but it really didn't get started until I went to New York. And um, when I was going to the Manhattan School of Music, I did some, uh, you know, a ton of shows there and uh, a few operas. And then from there, um, there's a kind of a seasonal summer uh, theater that goes on in that world. And so through that, I've been to China a bunch of times and done a bunch of theater out there. Um, and then, you know, anything from God, I'm trying to think of this stuff. So like I did Godspell, I was Judas, the evil Judas and Godspell, and, <laughs> um, did Don Giovanni in New York. And, um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those, it's a lifestyle that you have to stick with it and you have to keep pursuing it to really succeed. And so, um, I just, you know, have been more interested in writing music and the, you know, kind of the band stuff so eventually i just had to go for one hey that's understandable so what was the uh writing of the self-titled gods of mount olympus ep like were you able to get everybody together in the same room or did you guys have to record it in separate pieces how did that work out uh well for the recording we we started off all together well it was just me steve and paul matt wasn't um yet in the band when we when we tracked and so the three of us I, I Paul and I pretty much had all the songs finished um, and when Steve came in and he, he made some adjustments for the most part but we went into the studio and our first goal was just to get the drums down so we did it at Big Fish and we all played um, live and, and pretty much what you hear drum wise on the record is live because um, we only did drums for one day and we didn't do a ton of editing uh, just like on the fly editing and probably did three or four comps and or comped it together and that was it uh from there steve took the hard drive and worked on guitars you know on his off time and then i'd do the uh redid the piano tracks and um the vocals eventually but yeah it was definitely put together over a long period of time it wasn't all one day or one session i wish it had been but you know we weren't in any rush we weren't trying to like we didn't have a deadline we just wanted to get it as good as we could so it's understandable. You want to put your best foot forward when you're releasing something, right? Yeah, totally. Especially if it's the first, if it's the first, um, you know, representation of a band. I think part of it is that we didn't really know what it was. You know, I think the next one will be a little easier because we know what our band sounds like. But back then, we didn't know. You know. Yeah. So there, there's a lot of exploration happening that I don't think will really take up too much time on the next one all right awesome so what are some of your interests outside of the musical realm besides theater oh well um you know i I live in san diego so there's never a shortage of things to do out here uh (laughs) there's a you know I, i surf a little bit but i'm not that great um i do a lot of things pretty average (laughs) <laughs> that are like outside outside activities or less than average slightly but um yeah i don't know it's, it's my wife's uh she's pretty involved in and she's a professional opera singer and so she uh she, uh, anytime she's doing stuff i'd like to follow her into in in you know uh she was recently in alaska performing i couldn't make that one but uh yeah we keep we keep busy we're always doing stuff um but I don't know. It's uh, 
lately it's all been the band stuff so fair enough you guys just put out the ep so gotta keep that yeah, rolling yeah. right <laughs> yeah exactly um okay i Do wish you... i could say like i'm a huge i wish i could say i'm like a huge fan of like the local beer because we have a ton of beer here in San Diego. i'm just not though i'm still like a stella and coors light (laughs) (laughs) it's understandable i mean a lot of people get really worked up about some craft beer but some of it's not as great as people say it is (gasps) yeah i I tried it for a while i just couldn't i I don't know it's like i get i'm allergic to it or something (laughs) but Uh, that's understandable do you have a um, favorite song from any of the songs that you've written over your career? Something that really stands out to you? Something that really means something to you? Oh, I don't know if I ever have any favorites at all, but, um, you know, it kind of changes <laughs> depending. But, uh, I mean, early on, those some of those Hornswoggled songs, I can't claim credit for writing all of them, but... Uh, uh, there was some good stuff in there. Um, you know, back, back, God, I was like 17 to 23 years old. And that was some super fun stuff. The lyrics are a little questionable. Sometimes I look back and go, who the fuck was that guy? Um, you know, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's a song that it's kind of lasted throughout those years. And I recorded it on my one week record as well, but it's called the sky's falling. And that one, we, uh, it, Jeff Hamilton, our, the bass player for Hornswog, but also like the kind of creator of that band, he and I wrote that song together, and we wrote it on the night of September 10th, 2001. And it was kind of eerie, because the next morning we woke up, and it was September 11th, and mm-hmm. the lyrics were, like, it was kind of creepy how closely aligned <laughs> the lyrics were to what was going on. And... um you know, so that, that, that is always kind of, I don't know, it's been like a, it's not really that cool, but it's just something that's stuck out, you know, that's yeah. been a weird, you know, thing. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I like where the direction we're going. There's some new songs that we've got uh, that are going to be on the next EP that we're working on right now that I really, really like. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we can get those laid down ASAP. Okay, awesome. So that leads me into the next question. What are the plans for the future of the Gods of Mount Olympus? Do you guys plan on touring? What's in the Yeah, happenings? we're we're uh we just recently have um started working with the booking agent, so that'll help a lot. Um cuz I was kind of doing everything <laughs> um up until now and so we we've done a lot of stuff around town where we're, we're from but we want to get out and definitely get up to like you know uh east coast and canada and potentially europe at some point um so yeah we definitely want to play we're totally looking forward to that and then we also are going to put out another ep potentially by the end of the year uh, at least we'll be starting the recording process by the end of the year so okay awesome so you guys are just keeping on it yeah, yeah, yeah. We, uh, I mean, this thing would have been a full length, but we just kind of wanted to get something out, so we stopped halfway through, but there's more material that didn't make it, so it'll get out on the next one, hopefully. Understandable. Sometimes you just want to keep things back because you think that maybe you have better ideas or possibly that they could be tweaked a little bit to improve them. Right, true, true. Yeah, 
get a little more, um, um, you know, maturation there. Mm-hmm, definitely. All right. Awesome. So thank you so much for doing this interview with me. Before I let you go, where can my listeners find you online? Well, we uh, are on the traditional digital outlets like Spotify and iTunes. But if you go to birdattackrecords.com, you can get our digital music there and even vinyl, I believe. We still have some available. Awesome. I was looking at that vinyl. It looks awesome. I know. I can't wait to get my hands on one. It's like, uh, you know, the picture is one thing, but I'm like, damn, I can't wait to see what that looks like in real life. Yeah, no (laughs) doubt. It is probably absolutely amazing. <laughs> yeah. Those those bird attack guys know what they're doing. I'll tell you. Yeah, without a doubt. I have worked with quite a few of their artists and I gotta say they kill it all around. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, man. Well thanks. Appreciate it. Awesome. Anytime. Thank you so much. Alright, dude. Have all a good right. weekend. Yeah, you as well. Alright, take care, man. Alright, cool. The Desert Tiger Podcast. We need to give a big old Desert Tiger Podcast thank you to Brian Wallstrom for joining us here on episode 26 of the DTP. I hope you guys enjoyed the interview. I also get have to give some mad love to Bird Attack Records and Melanie K for being fantastic to work with. You guys have already heard me talk about Melanie. Bird Attack also has had a couple of our previous guests on their roster. They have Belvedere on their roster, so you guys got to give Bird Attack some love as well. I also need to give a big thank you to you guys here, the listeners of the Desert Tiger Podcast, the faithful... Those who tune in every single week, every single Thursday, we have much love, mad respect for every single one of you. You guys already know what it is. Wherever you are, whatever you're listening on, whoever you are, thank you so goddamn much for making the DTP a part of your life. Thank you for embracing us, for enjoying us for making us part of your journey we love that you guys join us if you guys want to support the podcast the easiest way that you can do that is by hitting the subscribe button whatever service you're listening on whether it's itunes spotify google play Castbox, whatever you're listening on if you hit that subscribe button it's going to help us out so much If you want to help out the podcast a little bit more than that, you can always hit up our great sponsors, that being Collar and Elbow and Audible. I've already mentioned the ways that you can help us through them twice this episode. If you really need me to repeat it, you can hit us up on any of our social media. And I actually would love it if you guys did hit us up on our social media. We are on iTunes iTunes. Ha! What am I talking about? We're on Twitter as Desert Tiger Pod. We are on Facebook as Desert Tiger Entertainment. And of course, we are on the Instagram as Desert Tiger Podcast. 
we are probably not getting Vero because my information has already been given to Facebook. I don't need it in the hands of a billionaire in the Middle East. That's not a shot at the people who use Vero. That's just me saying I don't know how much I can trust that guy. Anyway, you guys know we love to end this thing off with a quote, as we always do every single week, to leave you motivated, to leave you inspired, to leave you with a little bit of fire. Alright, so, the quote this week is from Frederick Nysch. Many are stubborn in pursuit of the path they have chosen. Few in pursuit of the goal.
Desert Tiger Podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review. iTunes, Google Play Music, and Stitcher. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Thanks for listening.